You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today, we return to the quarterly series, What's in Season? We'll discuss the sugar bush and making maple syrup as part of a flourishing food system at home and beyond for the entire human family. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Reed Crinklaw, co-owner of Crinklaw Maple Products. Welcome, Reed. Hi, Peggy. Thanks for having me on the show. Really, really happy to have you here, Reed. It's almost maple syrup season, or for you, it is maple syrup season, and your family knows a lot about this. How long has the Crinklaw family been making maple syrup? Uh, our family's got a long history of making maple syrup. Uh, so I'm the seventh generation Crinklaw to be making syrup. Um, we still produce syrup on the same farm that was originally settled on in 1832. So that's about 190 years, I believe. Um, so currently myself and my wife, uh, run the farm with my parents, Mark and Carol. Um, but it truly is a complete family affair. You know, with a new generation of sugar makers coming up behind us and lots of aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and, and cousins helping out uh, where they can as well. Oh, what a treasure to have uh, really close to London. This show airs in London and southwestern Ontario and you're located not far from London. How, uh, how do you get to Crinkloff Maple Products? So we're located uh, just south of the 402. Uh, our address is 4570. Westminster Drive. Um, and so we're just off Wonderland Road and the 402. So just on the, the south end of London. So it doesn't get more local than that. We're really interested in eating local foods these days, not just to reduce the carbon footprint, but to support the local economy. And what a great thing to do with maple syrup. And you had mentioned that eight, around the 1830s is when your family started making maple syrup here. Why was maple syrup historically significant to this area, Reed? Well, for the early settlers uh, in the area, um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of options for sweeteners. So uh, maple syrup and maple sugar was, in some cases, the only option for uh, sweeteners for, um, you know, cooking and, and baking with. Um, so cane sugar, white sugar uh, was extremely expensive at the time and a lot of times unavailable. Um, so families took it upon themselves to, to make it uh, out of their own woodlots. Uh, syrup season happens in the early spring when typically there's not as much going on with other field crops. So uh, it's a good fit for farmers in the area. Makes a lot of sense. And um, I, I definitely important, as you said, with baking and, and just flavor, but also preserving sugar was helping the maple sugar was really helping was keeping things around a lot longer. So definitely part of our community for generations. When we hear about the sugar bush read, we hear not just about maple syrup, but the sugar bush. Um, it seems like we should know what that is, but it's, it's a specific type of bush. And can you tell us more about what a sugar bush is? It's basically just a, a forest where primarily the maple trees are dominant. There is other species of, of trees for sure, but um, primarily the, the maple tree is uh, the dominant tree and um, the bush is formed to 
um, to have only the maples uh, available for tapping. So uh, it's also where the infrastructure for the sap collecting um, is all the equipment, uh, the lines, the tanks, um, pumps, everything like that is kind of in the, in the sugar bush. Okay. And so there's different types of maple trees. Is, is it any maple in the bush that you're able to tap and make maple syrup from, or is there only certain types of maples? It's primarily the, the sugar maple, uh, black maple, silver maple. Um, those are the ones that, uh, we want to concentrate on. You can get sap from other maple trees. Uh, typically it's lower in sugar content and, um, we, we just want to concentrate on the, the sugar maples mainly. Okay. And those produce, uh, when the when sap comes out, what does it look like? We know maple syrup is that golden and amber, beautiful colored. What does the sap look like when it's coming out of the trees? So it looks just like water. Um, it's, if you had it in a glass side by side, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. The only difference is when sap comes out of a tree, it's, it's about 98% water typically. So around 2% sugar content, depending on the year. Uh, some years is a lower sugar content, some years is higher, um, but it really, you know, it's not like a lot of people think the, the syrup comes right out of the tree. It's, it's, uh, it looks just like water, um, hard to tell the difference for sure. Really interesting. And so knowing the right trees to tap to get the most delicious maple syrup, and then the whole process getting from something that looks a lot like water to this golden and delicious amber color, which we'll talk about more after the break. I'm wondering, um, Reed, we've talked about the bush and we've talked about the know how and in the Crinklaw family of maple syrup producers. I'm wondering, it's it's February and it's chilly, sunny out there, but chilly. What are some of the earliest days of the season like in the sugar bush? What are the sights and the sounds that you look forward to at this part of the year? Yeah, so normally we're we're starting out this time of year. It's typically you know late winter, um, and we we kind of look at the long term forecasts uh, and and see when there's a few days of above freezing temperatures strung together. Uh, that kind of spells the start of the season for us. Um, when that, we kind of look at the, uh, the forecast, we'll see, uh, you know, when the right time is to start tapping, we'll go out and, and, uh, do our tapping. Um, normally when we're out, it's still below freezing. So it's quite cold. There's usually a fair bit of snow on the ground. Um, and you know, it can be very cold when we're out tapping, but normally in, after a long winter of being cooped up inside, you don't mind the, the longer days of being out in the cold. Um, but the bush is typically quite quiet this time of year. Um, there's no birds out really. Um, the animals are still kind of hunkered down. There's a few squirrels here and there. Um, but, uh, you know, as the season goes on, it's very neat to see the progression from essentially the dead of winter to the springtime, you know, we have, uh, the birds are towards the end of the season chirping. We've got robins, um, you know, the animals are out like crazy and there's usually some, some green stuff poking out from under the leaves towards the end of the season. So you get to see a, a full season change basically in a few weeks. It's, uh, it's quite neat to, to see. Wow, right in the heart of Mother Nature. That just sounds so poetic, even though it's cold, you had mentioned, but what a wonderful opportunity to see um, the winter fade away and spring come in and all the animals and the leaves and trees and sights and sounds and 
everything that you get in the sugar bush. That's fantastic. And Reed, you mentioned uh, tapping the trees. So I'm not sure that listeners know what tapping means. And further than tapping, what kind of equipment is needed to make maple syrup? And so tapping is basically just drilling a hole in the tree, um, drill, drilling a small hole. Um, and when you do that, uh, it, uh, it produces a, a hole in the tree where the, the spile is then inserted and the spile is kind of a spigot that goes in and, and uh, directs the flow of the sap coming out of the tree. So um, we just use a cordless drill now. Um, in the old days, they used uh, a brazen bit where it's, uh, you know, it's all upper body strength and every hole, you know, it took uh, a few minutes to drill and uh, now we can, we can drill a hole in a matter of seconds. Um, so, you know, we need uh, a cordless drill, um, a hammer for tapping the spile in. Um, and as far as producing the syrup um, or collecting the sap, uh, we need some, some plastic tubing um, that goes from tree to tree. Um, we need a tank for the sap to be collected into. Um, there's several tanks along the way uh, from in the bush to in the sugar house. Um, and for the equipment in the sugar house, uh, we use what we call an evaporator. Uh, so that's basically a, a highly efficient boiling machine. Um, so you can kind of picture a pot boiling on your stove. Um, what we're doing is boiling water off of the sap. So um, you can kind of picture you put it boiling a pot of water on your stove. We're doing the same thing with the evaporator. Uh, we're just boiling the water off of the sap. Um, and there's uh, some filters. Um, there's um, pumps to, to pump the the sap around and the syrup around and of course some drums to to keep the syrup in so there's several several large pieces of equipment that are needed uh, for the sugar making process sounds like it and uh, all the family uh, generated knowledge through the centuries of what works best and how to get the exact most delicious maple syrup and so i'm wondering reed um in addition to all of that technical expertise how has the process of making maple syrup changed over the years and what stayed the same? Yeah, so the basic process really has remained unchanged right from day one. Um, you know, it's essentially, like I said, just boiling the water out of the sap. There's nothing added to it. Um, that's also a bit of a misconception that we add sugar, but we're the only thing we're doing is removing water from the sap. So uh, it's really a simple process when you think about it, uh, but there's been significant technological advancements over the years uh, in the maple industry. Um, and it's all basically based around being more efficient. So um, whether it's the type of fuel you use to uh, run your evaporator, whether it's wood or oil or gas or various different options, um, so the, the technology is advancing like crazy in the maple industry. Um, you know, in the early days uh, with my grandparents, great grandparents, they were collecting the sap out of a wooden bucket with wooden spiles uh, with a horse and, and buggy. Um, they would have seen the transition from 
wood to, you know, using metal pails and metal spiles to using a tractor in the bush um, to what we have now, <clears throat> which is the modern day, uh, you know, the plastic tubing going from tree to tree uh, with spiles, as we mentioned, and it's all under a vacuum system. So it essentially sucks the sap through the, the plastic lines and then into a tank. So everything we're doing is, is based around efficiency to try and cut down on labor and uh, fuel savings and, and time. So you can monitor your sugar bushes from your phone now and you can get all sorts of crazy things that uh, are so neat and make, make the uh, process a lot more efficient for, for people. Sounds like it. It's certainly an area where there's been a lot of interest and uh, lots of change over the years and what a long way we've come. How do you know when the sap is running and is it running right now? So the sap starts to run uh, when we've got uh, above freezing temperatures. Um, <clears throat> so ideally, we like to see about five degrees during the day and minus five during the night. Um, so the freeze thaw action is what gets the sap flowing. Um, as of right now, the sap's not running, um, but very shortly, uh, we expect the season to, to begin. It will be soon. Lots of uh, brand new season of maple syrup to look forward to. That's great, Reed. After the break, we'll hear more from Reed Crinklaw, co-owner of Crinklaw Maple Products about making maple syrup. This is Food for the Future, and I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. The show today is part of the quarterly series, What's in Season? We're speaking with Reed Crinklaw, co-owner of Crinklaw Maple Products. Reed, I love maple syrup and maple sugar, and it gives such a unique, deep flavor to on its own or any dish I add it to. And beyond being delicious, what nutrients are there in maple syrup? And so there's lots of good nutrients uh, and minerals. Um, we've got manganese, riboflavin, zinc, magnesium, calcium, potassium. Um, you know, it's all natural. There's no additives, and it has one of the lowest calorie levels of all the common sweeteners. Wow. It's uh, one of those, um, uh, what is it? Value adds. You not only get the sweetness, but you get some other incredible nutrients, which is really wonderful to hear when we talk about a sweetener. Um, and we hear a lot about maple syrup and we certainly know what maple sugar is, but recently we're hearing more about maple butter and it sounds delicious, but what is maple butter and how is it made? Yeah. So Maple butter is definitely a customer favorite. Uh, it's very highly requested. It's hard for us to keep on the shelf. Um, but, uh, you know, there's a misconception with maple butter as well that it contains dairy. Um, our maple butter is strictly maple syrup. There's nothing else added to it. Um, so basically we take our finished syrup, uh, boil it to around 242 degrees and then let it cool back down to room temperature. After it's cooled down, we put it in a, a mixer and beat it and beat it until it becomes a butter-like consistency. Um, so then it gets put in our containers um, and you know it's a great replacement for honey or jam or even peanut butter. Mm, sounds really good. So it's really whipped 
um, a little bit thicker. It's sort of in between maple syrup and maple sugar, but then it's whipped. And yep, that gives it yep. that spreadable kind of creamy. Mm, sounds really, really good. Read, there's many grades of maple syrup. And how are the grades established and who monitors the labeling? Yeah, so the grading is determined by the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture. Um, so any syrup that's produced in Ontario and sold to the public has to adhere to their grading system. Um, so it's graded by color. Um, and we use a few different tools to assist us with the grading process. You know, we've got uh, our color charts and a refractometer, which is uh, checking sugar content. Um, it has to be 66% sugar content to be um, considered syrup. Um, so those are the main two um, labeling uh, criteria that we go by. Okay. And you had mentioned color. So um, there's four grades of maple syrup one of the factors is color what what's the difference between them yes yeah, so there's the four there's golden amber dark and very dark um, golden is the lightest and it's uh, what they call a delicate taste amber is what they call a rich taste um, dark is kind of your everyday syrup um, and it's they call it what they call a robust taste um, and very dark, obviously, is the, the strongest, darkest flavor. Um, and typically, early in the season, when we have colder temperatures, uh, the lighter grades are produced, the golden and the amber. So as the season progresses, temperatures get a little warmer. Um, the color of the finished syrup gets darker, and we produce the dark. And then towards the end of the season, typically, it's very dark. Isn't that interesting? And I, I didn't realize that the color grade of the syrup or the um, grade of the syrup related to the, um, the time of the season or what was happening. I always thought that one would, had a little bit more water taken out of it and was a little bit denser, but that's not the case. It has to do with the timing in the season. So I learned something today. That's, that's really, really interesting. Thank you for that. And Reed, if home cooks wanted to use maple syrup or maple sugar instead of white sugar or other sweetener, what ratios should they use? So if you use granulated maple sugar, which is kind of looks like uh, brown sugar, uh, it's, it's one for one with uh, your regular sugar. Uh, substituting with maple syrup, we usually say around a third of a cup to one cup of sugar, um, and then just make sure to reduce the, the other liquids in the recipe by a third. And where can listeners find Crinklaw Maple products? Our on-farm retail store is where we sell a lot of our products. Um, we said before, we're just off the 402 and Wonderland Road, um, and our store will be open once we start making fresh syrup. So hopefully very shortly, um, and you can follow us on social media and uh, visit our website, um, sign up for our newsletter, that kind of thing. That's kind of the best way to, to know our opening dates and, and our hours. Okay. So if you go to crinklawmaplesyrup.com, you'll be able to not only find out a lot about the family and maple syrup and all of the grades, but also when your uh, little shop will be open so you could take a drive enjoy the scenery and have a great destination of Crinkle maple products and get some of the season's first maple syrup. That sounds really good. Reed, what's your favorite way to eat maple syrup or maple sugar? Well, I don't think there's a wrong way to eat it. Yeah, that's uh, true. I like it on uh, cereal. 
um, ice cream and my wife makes candied bacon with it. Um, that's about the best that I've come across. It's, it's quite good. I love maple syrup. I'm so glad to have had you on the show, Reed. Is there a final message that you'd like to share with listeners about the sugar bush or Mekong maple syrup? You know, making syrup is very unique to um, this small little corner of the world. Um, and, you know, it's very Canadian and we're known around the world for it. Um, so if you get a chance this spring, um, get out and visit a local sugar house. There's a ton of really great producers in and around the London area. If you're able to head outside and, uh, and get some fresh air and support your local syrup farmer. That sounds really great. And all the things that we hear a lot of values now um, towards local food, um, knowing where the food comes from, getting to know the farmers in your community. Many, many reasons. I know the National Zero Waste Council just put out some information about uh, the food supply and really supporting local. And I think there's a great place to start is with maple syrup at the Crinklaw Maple Products. I just am delighted out of our conversation today. And I'm so happy to know that local talent and maple syrup is so close by. So thank you very much for sharing your expertise and passion today. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Peggy. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Reed Crinklaw, co-owner of Crinklaw Maple Products. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about. What could you make with maple syrup this season? Something to do. Go to crinklawmaplesyrup.com to find out more about the history and availability of maple syrup. Next week on the show, we return to the monthly series, Waste Not. We'll discuss food literacy and the Great Big Crunch campaign with Debbie Field, coordinator of the Coalition for a Healthy School Food. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.